Hello there, this is Ant from the Referee Forum. Now, recently I was interviewed by the Club Respect website who are based in Australia about grassroots referees and the absolute demise of the respect for them. In an all-new Referees The Final Whistle podcast, here's that interview. Our guest tonight is the man behind the Referee Forum, the internet's biggest and best independent resource for referees. He's an ordained minister and his site's hashtags abuse us, lose us and no ref left behind sum up his muscular global advocacy for match officials, which includes challenging online trolls. It's great to catch up with Ant Canavan, who joins us from England. Hello, Ant. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me, mate. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be here. Well, I've just read through the last three months of your Twitter feed as penance for this interview, and uh, I've got to say it's almost ruined my night. It's it's yeah. really unbelievable, isn't it? It's it's depressing, really, especially when refereeing at a grassroots level, especially, is, is a hobby, and hobbies are meant to give people pleasure. And for the most part, it did up until the last few years when there's been some sort of cultural or societal shift where everyone... Um, has absolutely no problem with just tearing into the referee, regardless of who that referee is, whether it's a good performance or bad performance. The most important thing for the people that are tearing into referees uh, is that their team wins. And that team could be a, a bunch of eight-year-olds uh, playing on the park for, for the very first time. Uh, it's, it's a depressing place to be on the centre of the park at the moment. Well, how can anybody say that that it's not a red alert emergency crisis with uh, referee abuse and, and sometimes thuggery from top to bottom in English football that's led to a combination of all-time high ref abuse, a shortage of officials, anywhere from 15 to 40% down, depending on the league, thousands of referees leaving football, no new refs being trained. I mean, it sounds like to me like the perfect storm for disaster. Is this the sport's biggest issue? You would have to say yes, because, and here's here's why, the, the top referees that we've got at the moment, um, they've come through a system where they received um, a, a good amount of support to get to where they are. But, but the initial phase where they, they, they qualified and, and they've stepped up and they've gone through the leagues, they did this in the 80s, the 90s and the early noughties. There was a lot more respect for referees at that time. And I just fear that in, in maybe 10 years' time, when the, the quality of the top, top referees uh, in, in England isn't the same as it is now, it's because th there's almost like a filter being put on at grassroots from the, the referees that are coming through now that would make the top echelons of, of officiating. Um, they're being put off it because of this initial lack of support, lack of mentorship, and just being literally thrown to the lions as soon as they're qualified as a referee. I mean, I know that, you know, I, I can't be negative all the time. And there are some counties who train their referees and they're very, very good at looking after them and mentoring them for the first five to 10 games. But then after that, there is no structured framework to look after them. And as I said, if it's not the, the you know, you, you as a referee, your initial games of football should be stress-free, hassle-free and the easiest games that you do. 
the football inside the white lines is not the problem on those first games. It's the football parents, the parents of those 10 year olds, of those eight year olds, the ones that think they've got the next Lionel Messi or Steven Gerrard. And they want to they want to live their lives that they fail to live through their children. Uh, and if that means, you know, you can't criticize your child. Because no parent wants to do that, really. No one wants to say, oh, my lad's crap at football. My daughter isn't going to be the next best thing. They also don't want to say, well, you lost today because your opponents were a little bit better. Um, no one wants to kind of give the praise to the, to the opposition anymore either. That's something that's that's gone out. No one will ha- hold their hands up and say, do you know what? We lost today because the opponents were just far, far better than us. So the, the scapegoat for this scenario now is the man in the middle. We would have won if the referee had been better, if he gave the free kicks our way, if he spotted the offside that he missed, blah, 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 blah. In the end, it's it, it's irrelevant. If, if, if the team is good enough, they'll win the games regardless of the referee. And in the same uh, breath of that one, if people are blaming referees for defeats, surely by the same logic, when they win, they need to say, and we won today because of the referee. He gave us some offsides. He gave us some uh, some fouls that went our way, a penalty, and we won the game. And thanks to the referee, because if it wasn't for you, we would have lost. That's the same logic, but it, you never hear that. Yeah, it's amazing. I just go back to one of your earlier points. One of my favourite quotes from Carl Jung, um, the Swiss psychologist, is the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Yeah, and there, that is no more applicable to, to youth football than anything else in the world, I think. So, so I just want to take you through some examples. Northumberland, one of the largest leagues in Europe, uh, yeah. um, they've gone on strike over the level of abuse. There's a referee strike in Dublin. Schoolboys and schoolgirls in Ireland, all games cancelled because of constant abuse and threatening behaviour from managers, players, coaches, supporters. In the USA, the Young Sportsman Soccer League is having silent weekends because of referee abuse. There's a Christian league suspended because of too many abuse reports. And the Northeast Combination Football League last month forced to put a blackout for referees on, no match officials appointed, and they have to find their own because of the abuse. It's it's not just England, it's all over. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a global shift. And you, I mean... As I said, it's societal. You look at the shift, it's, it's evident in politics as well. Um, the, the way that people are, are now thinking more of themselves and rather than what's, what's the greater good? Do I have to make a little self-sacrifice in order for greater good? People seem to have foregone that. Maybe COVID uh, is, is something to do with that. Maybe there is another you know, outlying influence that is making this, this, this shift towards people thinking more of the self than of the community. But it's definitely, definitely... A, um, it manifests itself in in uh, aggression and physical threats and threats of violence on the football pitch. And um, it's it, I'm not going to lie; it can be scary sometimes. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big lad. I, I know how to look after myself. I work um, in the security industry as well, so I, I know how to handle myself and how to defuse situations without the need for violence. But even with all those, you know, say, all those tools uh, in my in my in my in my toolbox even with all that and there's sometimes i do think the worst that could possibly happen to me in this football match is that i don't come home at the end of it i end up going off to hospital because i've been assaulted um uh, you know actual bodily harm has happened to me um the instances to me myself in terms of abuse in terms of aggression are few and far between um 
But as I said, I'm in so many WhatsApp groups where people reach out in the WhatsApp groups or on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram to say, this has happened to me today. What do I do? Yeah, it's, and they shouldn't. It's amazing. The thing is, they shouldn't be asking me. They should they should have a, a, a support framework given to them by their by their national body, by their local regional body, whomever. It shouldn't come down to an independent resource that's done voluntarily on the internet to look after referees or advise them on what's the best thing to do. Agreed. One post that stayed with me on your feed was from Tom Boardman. Yeah. I think the time has come for me to consider break away from refereeing. I went to bed and woke up thinking about the abuse received. Football can't be saved from itself. It turns people into animals. It. Why is those green, beautiful green fields in Australia, England, America, why are they the last permissible bastion where you can verbally abuse, disturb the peace and abuse someone, a child, or an adult, why is that? Why do we allow that? The people that could fix this are also the people who have a revenue stream from the abuse. So yep. say your referee gets abused by a parent on the sideline. Okay, so you put in a misconduct report to your county FA and the county FA sends this to the club, this misconduct charge, saying, this has happened, how do you plead? It's either guilty or not guilty. Most clubs can't be bothered going through a, a tribunal or a hearing or anything like that. So they'll say, okay, it did happen, we are guilty and we're sorry. And with that will come a fine and a warning against their future conduct. Now, if you multiply that process by the, t by the amount of refereeing abuse that goes on out there, Say each fine is £50. Well, if 10 instances of abuse, you've raised £500. 100, you've raised five, and so on and so on. You look at the uh, cash that these county FAs have in their, in their banks, it's not, it's not pocket change. It's not like they're operating, operating not-for-profit. Some of them have got uh, a million pounds in the bank. And what I would love to see is them to use that money to put back into... Um, looking after the referees, seeing as that seems to be the primary source of their revenue generation. Look after your referees, yeah. use that money to, to make that. And I'm not talking about, look, the FA have just come out with a, a brand new respect advert saying, um, you know, it's, 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 it's very high production value. I, I know a couple of the referees that are in the video and they've done a fantastic job in terms of presenting themselves as, as uh, you know, professional looking referees and stuff like that. But the, it's it's a completely ineffective tool in stopping abuse and in, in in curbing this aggression that is uh, is it's rife. It's like a cancer in football right now, and it's spreading fast because because there's no kind of um, there's no incentive for the FAs to stop the, the status quo because they're making so much money from it. Yeah, amazing. And I mean, we all know that the fish rots from the head and the role modelling comes straight down from the professionals yeah. um, and the coaches abusing referees on TV. And, I mean, the players at the top show total disregard for officials. And if ever that was in doubt, this stuff we heard when it was empty stadiums for COVID, for me, was a, a, a real eye-opener. What other sport allows abuse and, and mobbing of officials? And um, why aren't the FA cracking down at least at that top level, that terrifying normalization that comes from from the role model again it comes down to money you've, you've got to say it, the, the top football 
Yeah, especially in England. You know, it's, it, it's fair to say the Premier League is the best league in, in the world. And yeah. you've got your best players, the likes of, uh, of the top maker, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, is someone who's guilty of this. If he doesn't get his own way, he will throw a tantrum. He'll throw the ball away. He'll you know stomp his feet. He'll shout and scream and all that sort of uh, stuff that you expect from a toddler. The referee should be dealing with that as dissent. The yellow card should come out, and uh, you know he does it more than once in a match, which he does. He gets the red card and he misses the next game. Now the people that put the money into the Premier League want to see the likes of Ronaldo play every single week. So you've got the, the referees at that level. Don't get me wrong, they are brilliant. They are the, the, they're there for a reason. They are the top, top referees. They've come through the system. They've proven their ability. But when they get to the top level, when they get to the Premier League, they become entertainment facilitators. And people want the entertainment of 11 versus 11. And they, you know, as much as, as we say, yeah, it's horrible for the referee to receive dissent, abuse, having screaming in the face actually is a form of entertainment. It goes back to the days of the gladiators of the Colosseum. People are going, yeah, I want to see more. I want to see more aggression. I want to see... It's entertainment at the top level. Um, what we need to do is say, look, we, we do have two tiers of football now. And, and thanks to things like uh, VAR and um, electronic communications and stuff, you've got this elite level of refereeing where you've got all the tools, all the kit, all the bells, all the whistles... Uh, to facilitate an entertainment uh, spectacle, but down at the lower levels, at the grassroots, you know, outside of the professional football pyramid, we don't have the same tools. We've got inexperienced referees, we've got unfit referees, we've got referees that aren't up to date with the latest laws of the game. But the people that play the sport expect the same standard of officiating as they see in the Premier League, where they've got uh, a referee, two assistants, a fourth official, uh, a VAR, you know, operator, an assistant VAR operator. I think you've got reserve assistant referees. So you've got a, a whole team on the Premier League, but they expect the same standard of decision making from one bloke who could be having a midlife crisis. He's got a bit of a belly. He hasn't read the rules for about five years. Um, the, the expectations of the standards of the referee at both levels are the same. And the frustration and the aggression comes about when the referee doesn't perform at the same level. I think that's that's something that, you know, we, we, we go back to the referees are, are human. They'll make mistakes, but not as many mistakes as the players during the game. And yet the standards and expectations of that referee are that very, very few makes mistake, mistakes are made. In fact, the fewest on the pitch, if not perfection, is expected. So we end up with the sad reality that many refs have been trained by what they're seeing on TV to think that abuse is part of their role. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, <laughs> there's no getting around that. But it is, <laughs> you know, the, the best footballers want to play like Ronaldo. The best referees want to officiate like, you know, pick a name, the, the Michael Oliver or uh, Martin Atkinson, the, the, the top referees you see week in, week out. But but there's such a, a gulf between the two. You, you know, you, you, your Sunday league footballer isn't going to play like Ronaldo and your Sunday league referee isn't going to referee like Martin Atkinson. But, yeah. you know... So do you remember when the FA introduced zero tolerance on uh, on um, abusive language and abusive referees and it lasted about two weeks and they scrapped it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was... A, the thing is, 
yeah, it, they they scrapped it because everyone was saying, "Oof, there's far too much, it's uh, far too many cards going in." There's, the, you know, games are getting abandoned because people are getting sent off, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, that that is what needs to happen to shift it back to being an enjoyable sport and hobby." But you know, people seem to be using football, Sunday league, grassroots football, youth football as an outlet for all the frustrations that they seem to be feeling in their life outside of football. They bottle it all up and uh, and release it into that environment. And yeah, the FA do need to be to be harsher. They need to, you know, we talk about revenue generation. It's crazy for to, to think that they don't just go, right, everyone, the fines are going up, the bans are going up. I want I want to see more cards for descent. They introduced the Simbin here in in England. I don't know if they've got it over there in the uh, in, in Australia. Whereas uh, you, you get a caution for descent, and it comes with a ten minute Simbin. So if you throw the ball away in disgust at a decision, or you get in the ref's face and scream that you're not happy with the decision, and you're cautioned for descent, that also comes with ten minutes off the field of play. Now that yellow card doesn't get put in as a misconduct report it just kind of stays within the game so if it's just one yellow card it gets forgotten about um forgotten about sorry now the fa said in the first season that this got brought in dissent reduced by 38 percent. i think that was the figure but actually that's not an accurate that, that's kind of fudging the figures because what happened is the yellow cards for dissent that used to get put in without the sim bin stopped getting put in because the sim bins on the field of play were not getting put put in so the levels of dissent did not reduce. Um, they just stopped getting reported. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we talk about the things that the FA are trying to do and, and you know, various organisations around, uh, around the world are trying to do. I remember I used to referee in the Welsh system and there was a time where if you gave a free kick and there was dissent, I think this is similar in rugby, if there was dissent at a free kick, you would just move the ball forward 10 yards for each piece of dissent that you get to a point where you could give a free kick in the defensive half and end up being 18 yards out if you kept getting dissent from the opponent's goal. Um, again, a- an effective way of kind of practically dealing with dissent during the game. But in terms of actually reducing the amount of dissent or the amount of aggression that referees receive, they've not really been effective. The, the, the level of dissent and the level of aggression and abuse has, in fact, I think, gone up, uh, especially markedly in the last two seasons. I want to raise the role of television commentators unfairly <laughs> criticising refs and, and, and just creating this army of armchair Sky fans um, who, you know, basically think refs are fair game yeah. to be abused. It would help if sports pundits actually knew the laws of the game. The amount of times I hear them offering a bit of punditry where they're just plain wrong, it, it's infuriating. And, and you'll see it when it happens on Twitter and on, on Facebook, on Instagram. I've just heard a commentator say this, they need to know the laws of the game, they shouldn't be in that position because what they are in fact doing, kind of like fake news, is they are passing on this this wrong information. Uh, recently, I think Casper uh, Schmeichel got his hand on top of the ball and it got kicked 
out from underneath him and a, a goal was scored. The referee disallowed it because the goalkeeper was deemed to be in control of the ball, having his hand on top of it and it being on the floor. It was for a split second, they went to VAR, and by the laws of the game, the referee made the correct decision. The pundits before, during and after that decision-making process as it went to VAR were absolutely clueless. It was as if they were commentating on a sport that they'd never watched before. They were confused, they were angry that a goal would potentially be ruled out. Um, but as soon as I'd seen, uh, you know, it's difficult to see in real time, but as soon as you see it slowed down, and that's what VAR is for, you come to very quickly the correct decision if you know the laws of the game. Football is this weird sporting phenomenon where it's played by so many people, but you ask them, if you gave them a, a quiz or a test on the laws of the game, 90 plus percent would not, you know, pass a referee's course, a basic referee's course for the laws of the game. And it's weird to, to have pundits in that position, being in that kind of group of ignorance, whereby you'd want... They, they pass it over to P, Peter Walton uh, in, in, on our television, the former Premier League referee. And they say, oh, we're not sure about this uh, foul. We'd have given a penalty. Peter Walton, what do you think? And Peter Walton would come in, oftentimes backing up the referee that he sees on the field of play, their decision, and also quoting the laws of the game. You've got him doing that. You've got backlash against him now telling people what the laws of the game actually are. Like, oh, God, why are we going to Peter Walton? He's just going to back the referee up. And it's like, yeah, because these are referees. We know the laws of the game. We know what the correct outcome is. We know why and what the decision process to, to get there is. So you've got just, it's almost like you've got the scapegoat of the referee on the field. Now you've got the scapegoat of the referee in the pundits box as well. So these pundits can just have a go at him for, for being a referee and, and giving a decision that they don't like as well. Wow. Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. It's the same as our sports down here. The, um, the commentators have a huge role in, they just focus on that one mistake as a pivotal turning point in the game rather than the, the thousands of things that have have gone on, and it's 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 disgusting, and it gets venomous as well. And role, again, role models straight down instead of role modelling to the players in this case, it, it role models straight down to the to the armchair pundits who then go straight onto social and continue the abuse cycle. Yeah, it's it's a self perpetuating mechanism, uh, and something. Yeah. The only thing that will stop that cycle is. Something. One of the hard parts, one of the components, being removed. So, like I said, if it is the FA or the Premier League or whoever the broadcasters are in that particular sport, stopping physically banning the discussion of a referee, the the criticism of a decision, having pundits that don't know the laws of the game. If if one of those components was was changed or altered, it would massively affect the rest of the cycle as as it goes round. Um, but yeah, I mean, what he say? What is the answer? Because again, it's the the top tier of football is more about entertainment than it is about the pure sport. That's why we've got a lot of people now switching off from Premier League and then going back to their local clubs in their local area and supporting the grassroots teams around around there. The non-league football teams are seeing a massive surge in attendances because people are getting disillusioned with watching what they see now as a glitzy, glamoury Premier League that 
they have very little interest in. They've been priced out by by things like sports channel subscription packages, match day um, gate fees are, are huge. Uh, you know, you can get into a, a local club for two or three pound. Where if you want to go to the Premier League, you're looking at 30, 40, 50 pounds. So it's a big markup to watch those top Premier, Premier League games live. Probably the biggest um, issue I have in this space is um, child abuse, child referee abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and in the torrent of abuse that you highlight on your, your feed, one, one stood out for me and I'll, I'll, I'll read it out. Um, one WhatsApp you received was from an under-12s games, a first versus second, a parent ran on in my face threatening me. A manager threw a flag at me. Another parent said he'd smash my face and wait for me in the car park. The referee was young and had to endure threats as, I'm going to burn you alive. I mean, when, when will the football authorities you know, combat this massive disgrace to our game? Another one just had a coach make a 14-year-old female cry um, at, at an under-11 under 11 game. And, you know, it's a toxic cancer abuse of child referees. Um, when they're abused by adults, why isn't it called out for the cowardice it is? Because it continues this cycle that, again, the only place that you can scream at kids, permissible in society, is at a football game. There you have it. Why Why do we allow it? And, and something that popped up, I think, either this morning or late last night, was from someone else. I think it was an account uh, called Refnext or, or something similar. I apologise if I got that wrong. It was the wrong account. But they said um, it's child abuse. It's criminal. Why are the police not involved? And the answer is because no one wants to press charges. No one wants to be, especially if you're if you're a 14, 15, 16 year old referee and you're refereeing the 10 year olds, 12 year olds, and you receive abuse, vile abuse like like you've just quoted there. Um that that you're threatening a child. You're threatening a child to burn them alive. That's criminal. But in turn you know, as a referee, you're put in a very at that age, you don't have a lot of confidence. You you got a more confidence in a lot of people. A lot of those adults that are throwing out those insults would never step into the middle of a pitch and be a referee themselves. So you've already got more confidence than them. But in, in terms of confidence in yourself and going to the police, what's the protocol? How do you proceed with that? I think in those instances, they, they need a lot of support and, and they need a lot of help from what I'd like to refer to as last week's ref as well. So if you're a referee in a game and you receive that abuse, there are a lot of referees that just take it and go, ah, well, it's part of the game. Um, you know, you have to expect a little bit. You have to have a thick skin. And that is not true at all. And what you have to think of is, okay, me as six foot ant canavan, uh, under kilos, mostly muscle, little bit of uh, flabby bits around the belly, but we'll ignore that. Um, I can I can handle, I have got the thick skin. I can handle what we'd call the, the higher levels of, of um, dissent, but I wouldn't accept abuse and I would report it up to the county. There are referees out there little bit more timid um who would just take the abuse not show cards and therefore not report it and then the players that have given the abuse think well i gave it to last week's ref i can give it to next week's ref until we've got more referees that say no 
if you abuse a referee, you're getting reported, you are going to get fined, you are going to get banned. Your club, the clubs need to take a little bit of responsibility as well. If you've got a player that, or, or, or parents that are throwing out that sort of abuse at a referee, you need to say, look, we don't, as good as football you may be, we don't want you giving our club a bad reputation by threatening children. And, and if these kids do go to the police with the full support of their county FA or their local referees association, then a big song and dance should be made about it, not as what currently happens. A misconduct report is submitted to the county FA and then the rest of the process takes place behind closed doors, including any sort of notification of punishment. If as a referee you've been abused, you submit your report and then a few weeks down the line you say, we took these clubs to a tribunal, we found them guilty and this was their punishment, you would then know, you'd be affirmed as a referee to say, okay, well, the action that I've taken... Um, you feel sort of vindicated. I was, I, okay, I've punished, they've received punishment for doing that to me. They hopefully know not to do it again. Um, but it needs the stronger referees now to step up at grassroots and, and start saying, I'm, I'm not going to take this anymore. I've got to think of the kids that are just coming into the game. Would I, would I allow my 14-year-old son or daughter to receive this sort of abuse if the answer is no, then you also need to not take that abuse and just uh, let it roll off you as a part of the game because it's not acceptable. You know, I'm lucky enough to, in my position in Merseyside, we've got two Premier League clubs, Liverpool and Everton, and I get to referee at their academies fairly regularly and I receive absolutely zero abuse. And it's because the parents know if they do anything that would jeopardise the place of their child playing football for those two Premier League clubs, then you know, they, they are not, they're having a proper detrimental effect on that child. The same thing needs to happen at grassroots outside of these, these academies. If your parent is throwing vile abuse to the referee, if they're threatening physically or, or verbally a referee, then the, the, the clubs need to say, I'm sorry, but we don't want your child in our club if he, that's your behaviour as a parent. Clubs try and try and curb the behaviour by getting the, the parents to sign a code of conduct, but those they're they're meaningless. They're absolutely meaningless because there's no enforcement taken if the code of conduct is breached. Um, what we really need to do is, like I say, action, actual, real action to change the game, and not lip service, not fancy adverts. Um, something that will physically alter the game because i mean the 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 lad that got threatened to be burnt alive that was only the weekend just gone i received that via whatsapp and i was like this is disgusting and to be fair the referees association here uh, they've got um a welfare team as soon as they spotted that on my feed as well they jumped in and said pass on our details please 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 we will look after this referee give him all the support that he needs uh because they understand they don't want referees to drop out at this point of their their say refereeing career, because it can be long, it can go on decades, um, but don't let these idiots at this level ruin it for you. Don't don't you know? Because refereeing can be very enjoyable. You can get to go some amazing places. I've I've travelled the world refereeing. I've refereed international um, teams. I've had some amazing times. I've been to some amazing stadiums. Met some amazing people. You can do all that as a referee, but not if in the first five, ten games, in your first season, your first you know, couple of seasons, 
you get abuse, you think, I do not want any part of this. If this is what football is about, I don't want to do it for a decade or two. I, I don't want to do it at all. And and that's why you're seeing people drop out. We need um, a, a, a cultural shift back to, uh, you know, mutual respect on both sides. Respect the referee, because never will a referee go out onto that field of play to abuse anyone. And and the players that say, well, respect, you know, the ref needs to respect, show me respect first. Well, no, you start off on a level foot in mutual respect. That's what it's about. You have to have a referee come in and kiss your backside before you, you start the game. It It's an understanding. You play your football. I'll referee the game. You're going to do your best to score the goals. I'm going to do my best to get all the decisions in between correct. We're, we're all out there doing our best. If mistakes are made, so be it. I won't criticise you for missing an open goal from two yards away, so don't criticise me for missing an offside when I wasn't in a good position. That's that's the sort of attitude that needs to, to come come forward. I, I just want to explore one of your earlier points about if the parent mucks up, you get rid of the um, the child as well. They come as a package. And down here, the, the, you know, there's always this movement that says don't visit the sins of the of the parent on the child which stimulates the debate, you know, is football a right or a privilege? And I think we've got to move it from a right to a privilege. It used to be a right in the in the old days. Yeah. Um, but I think, I, I, th- I think now it should be a privilege like attending any club or any institution. You can't go down your local gymnasium and, and start abusing people that you're a member of. So I, 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 I'm with you. I think the, the kid will be collateral damage, but I just don't think the parent has the right to, 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 to bring on, and no one talks about this, to, to bring on the onset of potential mental health issues in a lot of these refs as well. When I'm reading your feed, I'm thinking to myself, what we're seeing here is straight up people having to stop refereeing because they're they're sleeping on it and having nightmares about it and, and worried about their safety. Why isn't this framed as a mental health problem? It it well, the thing is, it it's the, we're treating the the symptom, not the cause, because the FA have just said, ah, great news, everyone. We've just trained up 50 mental health champions. So if you're having mental health issues, you can come and talk to one of these. Okay, let's let's actually say what's causing these mental health issues in the first place and target them. There'll always be mental health issues that uh, will come about regardless. So it could be that the world's most respectful football and you're doing your best and everyone you're not you're not receiving abuse you're having a great time but there'll still be something else that will affect your mental health that's just the nature of what mental health is so i'm not criticizing the fact that we have mental health champions it's a good thing but the fact that we're just throwing out mental health champions as a solution to referees that are receiving abuse no 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 no. let's just stop the abuse then we wouldn't need so many mental health champions (laughs) yeah perfect I've got to bring up the elephant in the room and, you know, it's a place you're a, a colossus and, and that is old referees didn't have to deal with social media and, um, you know, sniping and, you know, the abuse just doesn't happen on the field. You you go home and you'll get a second uh, a second dose of it. Um, but, you know, even at international level or FA level, uh, EPL level, uh, you know, even if the officials get it correct, correct and, and Twitter will jump on, um, they don't have any ideas of the laws. It gets personal. Um, you know, people sort of through one-upmanship end up um, increasing their abuse levels for referee. What can, We can control what happens on the pitch with, you know, quite draconian crackdowns on behaviour. What can be done about social? You're right in the guts of it. It needs to come from the social media companies. 
in the same way, you know, that it's their platform. And if they, uh, you know, we, we're quite far down in the pecking order in terms of referee abuse. Because before that, you've got things like racism, you've got um, political death threats, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, as you go through all the hate, all of the, um, you know, the abusive tweets and stuff like that, eventually you will get down to the personal insults on referees that's the sort of level that we're at but in terms of of a platform twitter is toxic it's horrible um and because of you know the anonymity it provides people can and will say anything that they want and there's no repercussions or there wasn't until recently repercussions for them doing that so people that would throw out monkey emojis to a black footballer if they've had a bad performance you know it, it it's vile it's disgusting but people do it and get away with it. And so because they've got away with it, that kind of reinforces you've not done anything wrong. No one's found out. Do it again. What's the worst that could happen? Nothing. Um, I, I do think, you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm very open and transparent about who operates the referee forum. Um, and I will call out dickish behavior when I see it. And that, you know, that methodology has gotten me into trouble with my football association because they've said, you know, you can't be offensive on social media. You're representing the Football Association. I'm like, well, I am when I'm in my referee's uniform on the pitch. But when I'm the referee forum, I'm an independent body outside of your jurisdiction. Um, the FA didn't buy that. So they're, they're like, no, no, people know who you are. They know what you are. You're associated to the Football Association. And I, if that's the case, then everybody that's registered either to play, to coach, to referee, to own a football club, anything in, in the FA have, have basically said, well, OK, we've taken on jurisdiction of what isn't isn't acceptable to post on Twitter. That's why recently you've had a couple of footballers in, in, um, in the Football League um, banned and fined for something that they posted five years ago, ten years ago. They're in their mid-twenties now uh, and something they posted when they were 15 was either homophobic or racist or something like that. It got dug up by someone, submitted to the FA, and the FA have gone, well, yeah, that that is homophobic. It may have happened when you was a teenager and not registered with the Football Association, but you are now, so we're going to have to punish you. And I think that they, they may be overreaching because it's not, you know... Abuse on social media is not something that the FA should concern themselves with. It is something that, if criminal, the police should deal with. Uh, but in terms of a platform itself, you know, get rid of the anonymity and 99% of the abusive tweets would stop tomorrow. Yeah, some accountability. Yeah. I, one part of your, um, your offensive arsenal... Um, I really like is um, is 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 the way uh, you call out people blaming the refs for their own. And there's one meme that says make make sure to blame the referee to hide your own deficiencies as a coach. And it's always the refs' fault when you lose. Another one is you know the ref making it all about himself, cost us. They're biased or incompetent. And <laughs> another favourite was you know I don't tell the players how crap they are when they frequently miss sit and, and that one really ran, that one really rammed home for me. It'll be Hilarious, you know. It's it's amazing that one mistake. Going back to your earlier point, one mistake and you get you know basically lambasted as having a bad game. But you know, there's just crap going on all around you. It's 
the irony is just it's it's amazing isn't it yeah maybe that's the way i deal with it you know i have a, a background in entertainment i was managing a comedy club before covid hit um so my my way of uh dealing with a lot of these is with with humor um and so I make a lot of memes. That's probably why the, the social pages are so popular. The, if you want to get a message out there now, don't make a fancy video. Don't write a long statement. Throw it on a meme, put a funny picture on it, and people will pay more attention to that than they would for the multi-million pound advert that you're trying to release with, with the similar message. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if we, we've got to laugh in a kind of gallows humour kind of way, because as referees that are still in the game, and bear in mind in, in England, we've gone from 30,000 referees a couple of seasons ago, pre-COVID, to about 21,000 referees now. So almost a third of all of our referees have gone, do you know what? I'm really not enjoying it in, in enough to, to want to come back and, and, and officiate anymore. So we've had a huge mm. dropout. If we can't laugh at this situation that we're in, then the only alternative is to cry. And then then we need more mental health champions. And I don't think there's enough in the world to kind of deal with, with that. So yeah. at, at the moment, yeah, I, I you know, on the refereeforum.com, I throw out loads of memes. If anyone wants to go check them out, they, they can do it there. But um, there's also some, some good campaigns as well. So using the meme format, I ask people to send me photos of themselves refereeing in their kit because we, we're proud as referees we love what we do we love football just as much as any player as any fan or anyone like that and we love being part of the game um i think people forget that sometimes people think that oh, the referee wants to ruin the game no we want to we want to enjoy the game as much as any we do enjoy the game most of the time um but there just does need to be that this this lid put on and if if I can raise awareness or make people think about their actions with with memes, with funny quips, uh, or with calling out troll behaviour, very directly uh, sometimes. Maybe like I said, it's gotten me into trouble <laughs> with my methodology sometimes. But it's something I'm prepared no, to do. I'm prepared to take the slings and arrows to to um, you know change people's behaviour. And and I think you know. Some some people you'll never change, and they'll always be that way. And they're the ones we need to remove from football. They need to be cut out like a cancer. But there's people that will listen, they will be educated, and they will see uh, a side that is mutually beneficial for everyone. The more refs that we have, the bigger the talent pool, the more uh, cream will rise to the top, and the better our officials will be in five years and ten years' time. Um, but the fewer referees that we have, because they're dropping out because of the abuse, because of the offensive insults, We've got a smaller talent pool. Referees will will struggle to progress. Burnout is a thing, you know. I you know uh, in let's say October, I was probably doing anywhere between six to ten games a week, just because there's a massive shortage of referees, and you know I'm, I'm fit enough to get out there uh, to, to run around that that much. So I'll do it, but you can't do that for a, a whole season. And I ended up taking most of November off. Fortunately, the COP26 came along. And as I said, uh, I work in the security industry. So I took three weeks and I was working on that. So that was a good time to kind of rest and, and have a little break from football. Now, one DEFCON 5 solution I've heard is to just go to the next level and have, them have the police at every game. Um, cowards tend to respond and shrivel up when actual police are around and accountability. Um, because 
making it a police making it a police matter. It seems too late. It's already happened. Funding councils, funding and putting police at games, walking around. Um, what do you think about that? They do it in America, and they still have the issues. I mean, youth soccer tournaments in the United States are a gold mine for viral videos in terms of a game will be abandoned because there's so much abuse or the players have gotten themselves um, in, into a, a, a big scrap and everyone wants to just, just fight each other. So the referee's gone, nah, you know what? Uh, game's, game's done, game's over. Um, then the parents will come onto the pitch, they'll all have a fight with each other and then they'll get separated by the police. The, these tournaments have on-site police for the duration because they expect that sort of behaviour from the parents uh, or from from the, the coaches maybe and also maybe from the players. So having police present, no, I don't think it would, would change anything. Um, or, uh, unless, like I say, we, we, we're prepared to, to, to admit that there is a problem then no one's going to press charges. As soon as we say, yes, there's a problem and the people that are doing it need to be dealt with and removed from the game or probably removed from children, if we're being honest, they can't control themselves enough to not offer death threats to a 14-year-old referee. They shouldn't be around children anywhere. So it's something, yeah, yeah. yeah, would, Would the police being present change anything... It would stop a few people, but it wouldn't stop the problem. Yeah. What about putting GoPro cameras on referees so we can find out what they're going through and bring some accountability that way? Again, we know what the referees are going through. Do we really need video evidence of it as well? It might help. All it would do is produce more content for me on social media, which is fantastic because that's what I want. The more videos and stuff that I put out, the more the page grows and the, the wider the, the audience. But at the same time, let's be honest, we know what the problem is. If a referee says that that person has uh, said X, Y, and Z, okay, there might be a few referees that embellish. But for the most part, no referees are lying and making that up because they don't need to. The, the level of vitriol and abuse out there doesn't need to be embellished. It's horrendous already. Having GoPros, having body cams or anything like that, what, what would it change? Would people not um, behave that way because they'd be caught on camera? Well, again, let's have a look at other, other people, other roles that use body cameras in, in their job. Traffic wardens... Uh, uh, police uh, or uh, say security people that work in pubs that are a little bit dodgy all of those people wear body cameras to capture the behaviour that they have to deal with it doesn't change the behaviour if you're going to abuse a traffic warden if you're going to abuse security if you're going to abuse anyone that's wearing a body camera as part of their role you're going to do it whether they're wearing a body camera or not and at the moment, there's enough people out there. You, like I said, the referees will put in a report to say, I've been abused, this has happened, that's happened. It's then down to the FA to, to follow that misconduct charge and offer a punishment. Video evidence really doesn't change that process. Mm. 
All right, we're going to end on a positive note. First, you've got some good examples, uh, what works, what you've seen work. I see the Liverpool Old Boys uh, featuring quite frequently on your feed. Uh, What are some things that you've seen work and what are some what are some um programs that we can look to as as having got it right well there you go the liverpool old boys league here in merseyside is uh, a fantastic example of uh someone you know it's uh, there's a lad called greg and he is absolutely smashing it This, this before the season even started he went right we're sick of the kind of behavior of the of of certain elements of the team, certain certain teams and certain spectators of those teams. So if you're going to play in our league, here are the rules that you have to abide by. And we are going to monitor this and we are going to take punitive action if these this, if this code of conduct isn't adhered to. And they did it and they actually punished people, the offenders. Very quickly, very, very quickly, the teams realised... If we don't conform, we don't get to play football. And as much as they wanted to win every game and would abuse the referee uh, or their spectators would shout grief or or step onto the pitch when they weren't welcome and stuff like that, their behaviour, because of this hardline approach, did change. And it's got, you know, there was a meeting at the start of the season where all of the referees, representatives from the clubs, the managers, the coaches, all got together and and the 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 kind of the, the framework of the league was laid out this is acceptable this is not acceptable um and and here's the process that we are going to take in order to make sure that this this is is done there was agreement at that point everyone was in the same room no one could say well i didn't know i didn't sign up to this and that i think is from a, a league perspective the right way to go about things um and you know the engagement I'm in a WhatsApp group for that that particular league and the engagement from the referees, if there's any problems, it goes into the WhatsApp group straight away and then obviously in real time, there is support for that referee. That referee needs assistance in uh, writing a report to misconduct uh, to, to get that to the county FA in order for the, the correct punishment to be done. They'll do it, they'll back the referee all the way. Um, whereas some leagues are quite happy for the clubs to hold all the power because every club that registered with the league is money for the league. And they're, they're quite happy to say, well, clubs, you, you behave how you want. You want to abuse referees. They, they've got red and yellow cards. They can sort it out themselves. Uh, you just keep paying your subscription to the league and, and we'll just let you keep playing football regardless of what goes on. Uh, and Liverpool old boys have said, you know what? We don't want teams that will have a negative reputation on our league. And it's been, what, we were in December now. The league started in September. The the perception of the referees on that league is that it's a marked improvement on what it has been. And hold them up as, as a beacon. There's there's two entities at the moment that I say, look at these these two groups this is how it should be done. As a league, it's Liverpool Old Boys. And as a county FA, it's North Riding Football Association um, because they look after their youth referees, their programmes and, and what they have in place to, to bring referees through the system, into the system and progress them as well uh, is, is phenomenal. I wish 
every county was like North Riding Football Association and I wish every league was like Liverpool Old Boys. And I encourage anybody that listens to this to go on Twitter and look up those two um, and, and just follow them, follow the work that they do and take their example as best practice. And finally, you have a hashtag called Ref Positivity. It's shame. It's shame that it needs its own hashtag. <laughs> and it's a shame like it doesn't get. Yeah, it's a shame I, I don't get to use it more often. Um, but yeah. but in terms of uh, like say awareness and and positive um, kind of attitude towards referees, whenever I spot a, a, a club that have enjoyed a referee's performance, I like to retweet that and have hashtag ref positivity. And if anyone listens to this and, and you do um, have a good referee, it's important to acknowledge that as well because, as I said, referees do get good enjoyment from the game and we know when we've had a good game in the same way we know when we've had a bad game. Um, but it's nice to get praise from the from the teams, from the, the players and the coaches that you referee as well. Sometimes it happens on the field of play at the end of the game where you're shaking hands, nice one ref, that was a, that was a really good game. And you, you say back, thanks very much, it was a good game to referee, that's good. But to see it on social media where people only seem to jump on to, to leave a mean tweet, a negative tweet, to abuse someone over a performance, um, especially when it comes from official club accounts, that really sickens me because it's basically the club saying, "Well, we're going to we've, we've abused a referee on the pitch for ninety minutes, but that wasn't enough, so we're going to use our official online presence to abuse them after the game is finished as well." Um, no referee would ever jump on Twitter and say um, a striker was crap for missing an open goal or a centre-back uh, should have made a tackle that led to their opponent scoring, uh, and if they were a little bit better. You know, they, they. This is very polite tweeting, by the way. <laughs> this is no, not one swear word in there. You can tell I'm yeah. a ref, but yeah, it's it's not vile, it's not horrible, it's not hateful, um, and no referee would ever jump on there to do that to a player or a coach or a manager. But very, very quickly, it seems they players, coaches, managers seem to want to get on social media and. And again, it's it's a deflection. We we go back to what it was. It's a deflection from their own deficiencies. If you are good enough to win a football match, you don't need the referee uh, on your side, so to speak. The referee is impartial. He's not giving anything one way or the other. The referee is impartial. He's he or she is out there giving their their best possible performance, calling it straight down the middle. Uh, if you didn't win and you thought you should have done. Have a look at your own players. Have a look at your own tactics before having a look at the referee because the referee really didn't influence the game that much. Fantastic. Before we sign off, how can people find you? Uh, there's the refereeforum.com. Um, we are sponsored by backstitch.com, which is also my wife's uh my, my, my wife's business she's uh, a, a clothing fabricator uh, we do custom clothes and stuff like that so I've got to get that plug in uh, loads of loads of referee designs on there get get yourself one of those t-shirts hoodies hats all that sort of stuff uh, on Facebook referee uh, facebook.com forward slash referee forum instagram.com forward slash the referee forum twitter.com forward slash the referee forum uh, and I am on all of those as well. If you want to follow me, it's Ant Canavan on all of those platforms as well. Well, I want to say congratulations. You're doing heroic work, a voice for the voiceless in many ways, and um, you're up there you know, giving a muscular presence to referees. 
thanks for your time and uh, excellent. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Pat. And hopefully we can come back and revisit this in, in maybe the end of the season or next year and see how things have changed. Hopefully for the Indeed. better. And, and keep up the great work. Cheers, well Pat. Done. All the best. Thanks, Pat. All right, mate.